was all he could remember that that was what happened. It was that year that I had this remarkable experience with God. And then he described all the things that happened there. Put the scripture up, please. Don't wait for me. Yeah, put the scripture up. And they described all the things that happened there. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train filled the temple. And on and on, he described all the things that happened. Then an angel came and, you know, he had another encounter, put something on, the, on his tongue. And he, he, he. By the time you get to verse number eight of that, that chapter, Isaiah started getting the ability to eavesdrop on conversations from heaven. Perhaps God was not even talking to him. Maybe God was talking to God the Son or the Holy Ghost and said, who shall go for us? You know, if you are the one that should go, we can't be asking you like that. We're just asking, we're talking like family. Who shall go for us? Who shall we send? And Isaiah just heard that conversation. Yeah. Based on these encounters that he has had, and he said, here I am. They didn't ask him, will you go? <laughs> They were just having a conversation. Who shall go for us? Who shall we send? Said, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. There's a place that you can put yourself emotionally, that you can put yourself spiritually, mentally, that you cannot pick signal from heaven. And you cannot recognize auspicious moments in destiny. And opportunities will pass you by. And you will not be able to participate in the things that God is doing part time. Whether in your family, in your, 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 the corporation where you work, in your neighborhood, in your wider family, in the church like this. Where you, you just put yourself in a position where divine calling cannot come to you. You put yourself in a position where whatever God is doing, you will lack the capacity to, to participate or the opportunity to participate because you are not willing to yield on your own idiosyncrasies and preferences. Prior to this time, Isaiah had his own agenda. He had some things that he was working on, that he was thinking about, that were predominant on his mind. But he was dropped on the conversation from heaven and it was a game changer. And it was based on his level of willingness to be open to follow God. Can I pray for somebody here this morning that as you go into this new week, God will give you the presence of mind to follow his own plans and purposes for your life. To walk in the fullness of what he's doing in your life right now and what he's doing in our nations. For somebody, you know, listening to me this morning, somebody watching online, that things that God wants to do in this nation, as dark and gloomy as it may be right now, that he needs you to participate in. And you need to be open. You need to be open. Somebody may, I mean, I, I, I don't know where you came from this morning, but it may be a very cantankerous environment, somewhere that you even want, want, want to run away from. You know, there's some families, when they tell the story, you just wonder. Everybody in that family should just disown the family and let's go. But God still has a plan for that family. And he's looking for people who will be able to eavesdrop on conversations from heaven and be able to answer such questions who shall go for us? Who shall we send? Here I am, send me. That's the appropriate response. Yeah. Not running away. Not thinking it can't be done. Not thinking it's not possible. 
God specializes in handling impossibilities. Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, or uh, the, the heart was without form and void. Yeah. And then darkness covered the face of the deep. If God just looked at darkness that covered and said, this is, this is bad, let's walk away. I'm speaking to somebody else here this morning, uh, the, the, the situations in your life that look very bad, very terrible right now. I got an email from somebody that I think I replied to that email last night or so. By the time this person described the situation, I wish maybe the person is in service today. If you are in the service, please see me after the service. I know you got my email. I haven't checked my email to see if you have responded. You can just see me, so let's resolve it. Because uh, this person wrote me on the email, long email, and put three options. Three options. Yeah. And I said two of the options no go area. One of the options, Pastor, let me hand it. Yeah, because it's this, this thing is not working. This life is not worth living. I said, you know, the two options, these two options, no go area, this particular option, we can explore it, and I'm willing to work with you on that. Yeah. We live to fight another day. We don't die. <laughs> Are you still with me today? Yeah. Yeah. Notwithstanding how bad it becomes, we live to fight another day. We don't throw in the towel. Yeah. That's, a, that's how grace works. Yeah. We live to fight another day. We don't throw in the towel. Whether it's a marital situation, whether it's a business situation. Yeah. The email I was talking about was a business situation. And somebody may be here this morning. Maybe it's the same thing that's going on in your life. The business situation is dark and gloomy and bad. We live to fight another day. Because fighting is what guarantees victory. When you throw in the tower, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus promised us victory. He didn't say we won't go through anything. Yeah. All he promised us is victory. He didn't say there will be no battles, but victory is guaranteed. He said we're more than conquerors. For you to conquer, you must show up. Even if you're not going to fight, you have to show up. Yeah. They cannot present a trophy to you in absentia. Yeah. You have to at least show up. Even if somebody's going to fight your battles for you, like, like God said, I will f- you hold your peace and fight your battles, but you have to be present in the arena. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's the word for somebody here this morning. I don't know who you are, but God knows you. Don't throw in the towel. It's not over until it's over. And it's God that determines when it's over. And I hear in my spirit, it's not over. Yeah, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. Tell your neighbor for me, say it's not over. Glory be to Jesus. Tell somebody else it's not over. God is turning everything around for your good. Uh, Say you'll share a testimony very soon. Now, before I move on to the message of this morning, I want somebody to know wherever you're hearing me from. I know a lot of people are not able to make it to church this morning because it's raining in Lagos, Nigeria. But wherever you are right now, please understand, this is not just a word of encouragement. This is what I'm hearing in my spirit. Yeah. I know when I'm encouraging my church and I know when God is speaking to me. It's not over. So you, you can't afford to get into this week and still be thinking those suicidal thoughts or thoughts of just packing it up. You know. No. It's not over. It's not over. God said it's not over. And it's the one that speaks and nobody can get say it except you don't believe. Glory be to Jesus.
Praise God. Let's appreciate Jesus this morning. Let's appreciate him. Again, I want to welcome everybody to church this morning. We're continuing our teaching series across the influencer. Everyone can lead. It's been a teaching series on leadership. And we started by saying that leadership is essential, that everything rises and falls on leadership, not some things, everything. Whether at home, at work, you know, in the neighborhood, as a nation, as a church, there's a huge cry for leadership in our world today. And God wants to raise you and I up to be a leader that he can be proud of. It starts from being able to, you know, know what God is doing, to, for being able to recognize the call of God on your life, but it's bigger than that. I want us to go a little further this morning as we uh, um, look at this subject uh, from, from another perspective. Can you hear me ask your neighbor, what do you see? Oh, ask somebody, I say, what do you see? This morning I'm talking about the necessity of vision for leadership. The necessity of vision for leadership. Necessity of vision for leadership. And if I want to start from a very simple dimension this morning, I'd like to ask you, where are your eyes? Where's the location of your eyes? Yeah. And I know it's a very silly question to ask uh, because we all know eyes always exist on the air. Am I saying the truth? <laughs> that means that one of the major assignments for leadership is capacity for vision. Yeah, capacity for vision. That's why your eyes are not on your bum <laughs> or on the, so, uh, the sole of your feet. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. When we say, who is the head here? Figuratively or literally, if you are the head, you take up responsibility for vision. That's why my eyes are on my head. <laughs> are you still here this morning? Yeah. So if you're a man in the house, it means that there's a God-given responsibility for you. It's not okay to just say, I'm the man in this house. I'm the head of this home. It means that your responsibility has been conferred on you for vision. If you lead a company, it's not just okay to carry the title of a CEO or chairman of the board or whatever suits you. But what I'm saying this morning is that the moment you take that position, that responsibility, a added responsibility for you is the capacity to see, to gain direction. Because you cannot lead without vision. Vision is a rallying point for any endeavor, for a team of people, for a group of people, we need to understand with level, a level of clarity what we want to do. And somebody must take responsibility for de delivering that level of clarity. That's the leader. That's the leader. So there's a team of three or a, 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 a team of 3,000 people. Then whoever is the leader takes responsibility for delivering Clarity of vision. A rallying point for all of us to be able to go further. Leadership is no leadership when you can't take a people from A to B. That's leadership. There has to be movement. We're moving from A to B. We're leading people from A to B. We're leading from darkness to light. We're leading from not enough to more than enough. We're leading from backwardness to development. We're leading 
from Egypt to the promised land. Somebody say with me today. Yeah. So you can lead a family. You can lead a company. You can lead a group of people. But you're leading from A to B. When there's no movement, there's no leadership. And movement is useless where there's no vision. Is somebody following me this morning? Yeah. When there's no movement, there's no leadership. And movement is useless without vision. Because it becomes activity without accomplishment. Because how we rate good movement is how close we are to the goal. So that the journey of 40 days will not take us 40 years. But many organizations, many families, many churches, many, you know, nations where the journey of 40 days is taking 40 years. The main critical issue is leadership. And a major part of that leadership failure is lack of vision. Yeah. A leader knows the way, shows the way, and then leads the way. Can I say that one more time? A leader knows the way, shows the way, and then leads the way. It's not enough to show the way. You have to lead the way. But it starts with a leader knowing the way. So a leader knows the way, shows the way, and then leads the way. That's how real, authentic leadership is done. Starting from your home. You want to lead at home? You must be a leader who knows the way, shows the way, and leads the way. Don't just tell them do this and you don't do it. I was having a conversation with my daughters not too long ago about altercation and managing conflict. I told my older daughter, I said, you're about 15 right now, so you've known me for 15 years of your life. Have you seen your mom and I have this level of altercation that you're having with your sister right now? In the open. Have you ever seen it before? So if I tell you to keep short, if I tell you to lower your tone of voice, if I tell you to relax, then you must understand I'm teaching you what is working for me. <laughs> yeah. And she, she was speechless. She was just looking at me. Let me tell you, why, why are you making that noise? Lower your voice. So I had to pull her aside to say, you know what? I'm leading you by example, and you must take the example. Yeah. In this Akinabi house, we don't shout. Praise God. A leader knows the way, shows the way, and leads the way. That's how it's done. Knows the way, shows the way, and then leads the way. That's how we lead. And for you to know the way, we're talking about your capacity for vision. To understand what is ahead. To understand, you know, vision is a mental picture of a preferable future. So vision is a critical component of leadership. A critical component of leadership. What makes an enterprise thrive? What makes a company thrive? If you haven't read the book, uh, um, um, Start With Why. Uh, was it Simon Sinek? Or who wrote that book? Start With Why. Yeah. 
If you haven't read the book, please, if you're a business person especially, please, please get a copy of it. I, wrote, I read it maybe about three years ago. Start with why. The why is why we exist. We're talking about a God-given vision for a family, for a company, for a church, for a nation, for an enterprise. A God-given vision, not a self-serving vision. Your vision should align with God's agenda and plan for your life. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 in the New Living Translation. It said, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. You know, the traditional uh, um, translation, the King James Version, Proverbs 29, verse 18, it said, where there's no vision, people perish. As strong as the word perish is, we realize that people don't get it quickly because they've seen a lot of visionless people who are still living. <laughs> yeah, who are not dead yet. Because you think when you say somebody perish, it means the person is dead. No. To perish there, is, it means to live and not live. To exist but not live. With that vision, you can exist but you're not really living. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, said, I have come, he said, the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. There are levels in living. Yeah. Jesus topped it up. He said, you can have it in overflowing. Yeah. Have it in abundance. Some people live and they live like, like, at the level of the life that is in a plant or animal. There are different words used for life. There's bio, where we got the word biography and all that from bio, where we got the word biology from. That's the life in animal and plants. That's why you study plant and animal in biology. <laughs> when, you, when Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. Life there is talking about, in the Greek, is the word zoe, which is the life of God. The life that is in human being is a higher life. And Jesus said, I've come to give you, you know, when you connect with me, you gain that life of God and it should be in overflowing. The resultant effect of that is that I should be able to live like God and do the things that God can do. And take it to the utmost level. God has capacity to see. To envision. That separates also humans from other kind of animals. The capacity for imagination. To process thoughts. In the realm of the spirit, thoughts are things. Can I say that one more time? I said in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of God, in the realm of the unseen, thoughts are things. The Bible says uh, the things that we can see were created from the things which do not appear. So by faith, we understand that the things that are seen were created from, yeah. Thought are things. When God gives you a divine idea, it means that the raw materials to make that thing tangible has already been provided, has already been created. That's why we have the word provision, that which is meant for division. Many people are looking for provision without vision. That's why they are stranded. Because heaven releases 
based on the vision that he has already provided. Pro means what is meant for, or what supports what. Yeah. So anytime you say provision, please remember the critical word there is vision. Yeah. The most important word in that word is two words joined together is vision. Many people are looking for divine supply, for provision, for what we call breakthrough or blow. Yeah. Many people want to blow. They want to armor, like we say in this part of the world. You know part of the thing that is spoiling our country, Nigeria, I'm speaking, I mean, if you're watching online, I'm speaking from Nigeria this morning. What is spoiling this country is looking for provision without defined vision. Seeking what is supposed to be a means to an end and making it an end in itself. Because money is not an end in itself. Money is to take you to an end. That's why the Bible says money answers all things. And money is a defense. Money will take you to, gives you an enablement to be able to do something. But we want to amass it without thinking of what is this meant for. The why, the why, the why. When somebody has billions of naira in their account without a why, that's a money miss road. <laughs> yeah, like we say in this part of the world. Yeah. Because that money is not supposed to go in that direction. So it's not the person's fault. It's money that miss road. <laughs> yeah. The money is supposed to go in a different direction, a direction of somebody that has a why, that has a vision. Are you still with me this morning? A lack of vision makes a leader foolish, greedy, lazy, and a prey for the devourer. One other translation of Proverbs 28 and verse 18 that I read, it says, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and instruction. Can you put that up for me? NIV, Proverbs 29, verse 18. NIV, NIV. Yeah. Proverbs 29, not 28. <laughs> yeah, I've been quoting it since. Proverbs 29, 18, NIV. Please put it there. Yeah. Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraints. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Blessed is the one who eats wisdom's instruction. Where there's no revelation. So revelation, vision, the ability to see things, not the way they are, but the way they can be. Yeah. That's another way to, to post your vision. The ability to see things, not the way they are, but the way they can be. The way they can be. How are you seeing your family? How are you seeing that business? How are you seeing your marriage? Do you have a vision for your marriage? Are you seeing it the way it is or the way it can be? Do you have a vision for, for your children that God has given you? Because if you see them only the way they are, that's a problem. Because some of us are here this morning. But for God, if it was the way we were 30 years ago, 25 years ago, the story cannot be like this. Can you hear me tell your neighbor, say, look at me. Say, if you look at me the way I am, you may be making a grievous mistake. 
Because very soon, very soon, I'm going to be 10 times better than this. You know, there's a song that I like to sing. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to say it because I'm not so good at singing. That's just simple truth. And you have to accept every man has his proper gift. <laughs> it was uh, Bishop uh, Joseph Gallantin that sang this song many years ago. I can see you in your future and you look much better than this. I know there's no rhythm to that, all right. <laughs> so let's just say it. Tell your neighbor, say, I can see you in your future. You look much richer than this. <laughs> okay, let's say it in the emotional side. Let's turn it around emotionally. Tell your neighbor, say, I can see you in your future. You look much happier than this. I wish that all leaders will make that their mantra when you meet someone, when you take up a business, when you take up a new organization. Yeah. When you, when you get married and you have to undo a family. Yeah. When they, as a politician, when they give you a state or a local government to handle, so they can say, I can see you, local government, in the future. You look more prosperous than this. Yeah. This country will take off. Yeah. Praise God. I said, praise God. Isaiah chapter 56. I read from verse 9 to 12 in the New Living Translation. You can put a slide on. Isaiah 56. It says, come wild animals of the field. Come wild animals of the forest. Come and devour my people. For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds are blind and ignorant. They are like silent watchdogs. They give no warning when the danger comes. They love to lie down or lie around, sleeping and dreaming. Like greedy dogs, they are never satisfied. They are ignorant shepherds, all following their own path and intent on personal gain. Verse 12, the last one. Come, they say, let us get some wine and have a party. Let's get, let us all get drunk. Then, tomorrow we will do it again and have an even bigger. What does this look like to you? I didn't say anything. You said. Yeah. It's even difficult sometimes to believe that this is in the Bible. Yeah. But yes, it is. Something that sometimes so hard just captures a situation. But this also captures some situations in some families where somebody that's supposed to be the leader is like a dog that cannot see. And this is a watchdog. You know all those you know, bear bull, you know, or give me some names, those, those big dogs. Huh? German Shepherd, yeah, Rottweiler, Pitbull, you know, all those. 
People spend a lot of money to buy them. You now put one in your house. And you say, ah, this house is secure. <laughs> and then the danger comes at night and the dog cannot see or signal. And you put a bad leader in place in anything, that's what happens. No signal, nothing, no, no capacity for vision to be able to say, you know what? Danger is coming. Yeah. It says, come animals of the field. Come wild animals. Come from the forest. Come and devour my people. For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen. For read that place very well. The same thing is happening in the church. The Lord's watchmen. The Lord's watchmen. His shepherds are blind and ignorant. You know, it's, it's sometimes, I mean, blindness is not good. But I'm even saying, when you now combine blindness and ignorance, it's bad. It's a bad case when you combine blindness and ignorance. You know, blind and ignorant, they are like silent watchdog that give no warning when danger comes. And all they want is just lie around, do their own thing, pander to the whims and caprices of their flesh and their cravings for money and material possession. May God deliver us from such leaders. May you not be this kind of leader. I cannot hear your amen. The truth is, anybody that is sharing money now cannot say amen to that. I can't preach this if I'm stealing this church money. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. This is very simple. I'm just saying so that you understand. Not every pastor is like this. I can tell you under God, on this altar, I'm not this kind of leader. Yeah. And these are not the kind of leader we're raising in this church. Yeah. Yeah. This is not the kind of leader we want to... When God gave us a vision to make greatness common, to help everyone to discover their greatness, so that they can evolve into greatness... The kind of leaders we want to raise are opposite to this. That's why I'm teaching this series. And everything rises and falls on leadership. This nation can never move forward until we fix leadership. Yeah. Like I said in the first message three weeks ago, if you want to fix your family, look at the places where there are chaos right now. Those places need leadership. No leadership chaos. Bad leadership, evil. That's what you see. Good leadership, you'll see prog progress. I taught that three weeks ago. No leadership is chaos. So anywhere you see chaos, just know that there's vacancy for leadership. If you see chaos in a family, that family needs a leader. There's vacancy. If you see a business that's upside down, everything is just running anyhow. Yeah. They, they can't account for things. Everything is anyhow. You know, there are too many holes where things are draining from in the business. That business needs a leader. Needs a leader. A leader manager. They can do a good job there. I pray for you today that God will make a great leader out of your life. Yeah. That nothing will waste in your hand. Yeah. That whatever God has put in your hand you will grow it. Amen. It will not end with you. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.
Somebody say better, amen. amen. As I start to put this up, you know, all up, let's quickly examine the life of Nehemiah, a man with vision. Yeah. Nehemiah was a man with vision. A man with vision. Be- be- before, before I go to Nehemiah, maybe I should do uh, this very quickly for people to be able to identify themselves. There are four categorizations that we can have in every gathering. One, we have wanderers, people who never see or have a vision or goal. When I was in high school, there's a popular name we call such people. Can anybody remember? God bless you. Yeah. Those people are old people, at least in their mid-40s like myself. <laughs> Middle-aged people. People who are older than us, you may, not have, you may not know that. If you are below that, I, I think it has changed recently, so they don't use that again. No future ambition, NFA. Yeah. They are wondrous. They are always wondering what's going on. They just want to have fun. If you talk about anything too serious, it repels them. Yeah. Anything too serious or uh, that can engage the mind seriously repels them. Just want to have fun. These are wanderers. We also have followers. People who see the vision but don't pursue it on their own. They always need somebody to tell them to do something. You know, in Isaiah 6 and verse 8 that we read, God was just talking. Isaiah said, I'm ready. Just a leader. Here I am, send me. Yeah. They didn't even come to call him to say, come on. You know, come, come and do this for us. No. Yeah. It's not bad to be a follower. It's just that you have to transition to leadership. And leadership does not mean that you are running something on your own or you, you know. No. It's that you have a leadership mindset. Every leader wants to work with someone who is a leader. Though a leader follower. Because the easiest set of people to lead in this world are leader followers. They solve problems. They don't create problems. Yeah. That's the kind of person you should be if you're on a career path right now. If you're a manager, let your general manager know that this, you, you are a leader. You are reliable. You can solve problems. You don't create problems. You think on your feet. You can think of things without You've been ordered around. Somebody, uh, uh, today's Wednesday, what have you done this week? And really, nothing. I'm just expecting an email from my boss. Yeah. So until the email comes, you can't do anything. What about when the email comes? The email gets maybe a five-minute response that delivers three days' job. So rather than your boss thinking that you deliver the job on Friday, while you are expecting the email, you have played all the scenarios and the different things because it's not a new project. And you've gone, you've worked, you've done your research, you've done everything. You got the email, you throw something in. You know, I'll be doing IVG for promotion. How can you get promotion? <laughs> if you waited for three days to get an email and then you waited for another three days to deliver on it. You know, there are some people, even when we're having IVG, we should shut them out. They should go and walk first before they come for NIVG. <laughs> Praise God. So you have followers, you have achievers, people who see the vision and pursue it. Those are achievers. 
But you know the best place to be is to be a leader. A leader is people who see the vision, pursue it, and help other people see it. Yeah. So you don't only see the vision and pursue it, you help other people see it and you support them, you know, to pursue their own vision also. That's a leader. An achiever is just a one-man right squad. God loves togetherness. That's why it says, one which is a thousand, two, ten thousand. There's providential help that has been invested into synergy and togetherness. God doesn't want anyone to walk alone. He wants you to lead. When you're leading, it means there are other people there. Praise God. In closing today, Nehemiah is a sterling example of a visionary leader in the scriptures. I want to encourage everyone here today to read. Can you take that down a bit for me? Take the volume down. Yeah, that's what I mean. To read the book of Nehemiah as we go on with this series. Read the book of Nehemiah. It was a leader that from his heart didn't wait for anything. He just got information. Nehemiah chapter 1, when you read from verse 1 down, all we had was that some people who have been, I mean, he was away captive and then he became the cupbearer of the king. King Atazis, who was now ruling over all the region, including his home country, Judah. And while he was doing that, he said, I was in Shushan, the citadel. He said that Anani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. He just asked simple questions. And they said to me, the survivors are left from the captivity in the province who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. And also the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. That was all he needed to hear. Then from that point, I said, when I heard that, I sat down and I wept. Something broke loose on this inside. That's how vision is born a lot of the time. Something, you know, that creates create a kind of connection with you, that you can say, look, this can be better than this. This industry can be better than this. This family can be better than this. Yeah. This church can be better than this. This community can be better than this. This child can be better than this. I said, vision is the ability to see things not the way they are, but the way they can be. That was what happened to Nehemiah here. From this point on, he went into prayer, he went into fasting, just seeking the face of God. Just hearing that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down broke his heart also. And he couldn't put that heart together. He was just in distress, just praying, just, just following God until God started to, you know, sear his heart. Then he went to the king. He was just a court bearer of the king. Went to the king. And then started to, the king could read his countenance that this thing was a big deal to him. And the king said, I've never seen you sad before. What's going on? And he said, well, I got news that my home country is in so-and-so shape, that people watching me from abroad right now, I believe that God is turning the heart of Nigerians in diaspora around. Rather than hearing news of bad things about Nigeria 
and you thank God that you have escaped, God will make the things that go wrong in this country to break your heart. So that he can use you. And I know, I know there's some people hearing me right now, that will be your testimony. In the name of Jesus. That's why you should read the book of Nehemiah. Because you think God wanted to suffer him. No. His life turned around. Read it. I don't have enough time to go into everything. That's why you should read your Bible. Read Nehemiah. All the chapters there. You see how God used him extensively. He was a leader, project manager, visionary person. Detailed things. By the time the king asked Nehemiah, so what would you need? He gave him detail. Where he needed to seek a visa of passage, he asked that king, write me a recommendation for visa. They are all under you. Tell them I need to pass through. Tell this king, they have this kind of resources there. They have wood there to supply me wood. Tell this one, I will need this, I will need that. He put everything together. But it started with a vision in his heart, something that broke his heart. He sought God for guidance. Nehemiah 1, 3 to 10. He planted, or he planned success, or for success. When you read Nehemiah 2, chapter 3 to 9, he planned for success. Vision makes you wise. Discerning and proactive. That's what he does. That's why you should seek to live a life of vision. Because it makes you wise, proactive, and discerning. That's what he does. That's what he does. That's what he does. He sought the vision, you know, I mean, he sold the vision to the people. It's, not, it's one thing for you to have a vision. It's another thing for you to be able to talk about it. Nehemiah trusted God. He was able to speak about the vision to the people. So he, the, the ability to, you know, to catch, communicate, and drive a vision is essential for a successful leader. Nehemiah faced oppositions. By the time you get to chapter 6, there's a guy that they call Sambalat. And he has a friend they call Tobias. They are evil spirits. <laughs> they planned all kinds of things against him to derail him. In fact, the way they spoke about the project, they said, what, what was he doing? He said, even if a fox, a small fox, should go on top of that wall, it will crumble. Is there somebody undermining the greatest dream of your life right now? You need to understand that God has already factored them in to the equation. Yeah. Nehemiah, I mean, they sent for him. They wanted to distract him. Nehemiah chapter 6, read it there. You know his response? He said, I'm doing a good job. I cannot come down. <laughs> he was on the wall, walking. And they said, he should come down. They wanted to lure him and distract him and all that. That are modern day Sambalat and Tobias. Yeah. They will come after your vision. They want to discredit your character. But God is bigger than them. But the way to, de to defeat them is to remain focused. I'm doing a great job. I cannot come down. That's what Nehemiah said. And that was a job that he said was rubbish. But he said, I'm doing a great job. I cannot come down. May God give you grace to be focused. Amen. I said, may the grace of God keep you focused. Amen. To be able to scale through every opposition. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Nehemiah was also driven by the need of the people, not his own needs. Yeah. That's why vision is different from ambition. Vision is people serving, while ambition is self-serving. 
A God-given vision makes you people serving. Because a good leader has to model a life of sacrifice and generosity. People detest capitalism today because they feel that they use people to get things. A good leader doesn't use people. Yeah. A good leader blesses people, serves people. Foolish leaders use people to build their vision rather than use their vision to build the people. Every vision that is not building people and is forgetting things is a useless vision. It's not a God-given vision. Every church where the pastor is in need to make money for himself and his family, not caring whether people's lives are getting better, is a useless church. Yeah. Anyone that is in public office to seek to amass wealth for himself whilst poor people are suffering is a useless leader. Must be voted out of power. Yeah. I don't care whether local government, governor, any, at any level. Yeah. It's when we start to do that that this nation will get better. Yeah. And somebody may be thinking in your mind right now, but they've incapacitated us. Our vote doesn't count. It cannot remain like this forever. Yeah. I see it's a new Nigeria coming where my vote and your vote will count. Yeah. What I'm saying right now, I can't force you to believe it because somebody is still saying this pastor is too optimistic. I know. Yeah. The level of cynicism that exists in this country, it will take us a while for us to get majority in the believing train. I understand. We will wait for you. We will wait for you. Me, I'm already on that train, but you will join us very soon. <laughs> praise God. I said, praise God. Because counting by the number of people that have prayed with this year from this church to, that have relocated, even me, I know that the faith of many people has failed. Yeah. I made up my mind I'm not going to stop anybody from relocating. But I'll keep emphasizing that this nation will change. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. As I wrap this all up, there's a big question that I wanted to go with. Where are those who will risk life and limb for a cause greater than themselves? Where are those people? Where are those people? Those are the kind of people that I believe God wants us to raise in this church. Where are those people? You know what Martin Luther King Jr. said? If you've got nothing worth dying for, you've got nothing worth living for. Many people feel that they have something worth living for. But the most important thing is, do you have something worth dying for? That's when then you can say you have something worth living for. A God-given vision will make you uncomfortable and you will need to get comfortable with that discomfort. Lift your two hands to Jesus and bless him. I want you to ask God for a fresh vision for your life today. A fresh sense of vision about your family. 
a fresh sense of a fresh sense of vision about your business. So that it's not just about money. Because after you've made all the money, that's why people misbehave. Because it was not based on vision from the get-go. When the money comes, when the position comes, you don't have any other agenda. If the vision is a political office, when you get there, you will do nothing because you have achieved your own vision, which is to be a governor. But if the vision is to transform people's life, when you get to office, then job just started. <laughs> nothing has been achieved yet. The job just started. I want you to pray to God this morning. Lord, give me a fresh sense of vision about everything that I'm working for right now and working on right now. Yeah, some of us have great things we're working on, but we just need a stronger sense of vision around them. Somebody here today may need to pray, Lord, give me a sense of vision about the things that you want to do in my life. Give me a sense of vision. 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 If you really desire it, this is the time to pray. This is the time to pray about it. This is the time to pray about it. When you've heard a word like this, it stirs something in your heart. Don't be afraid that God will put something in your heart that is, will be beyond you. This is the time for you to just, just, just calm yourself down and just speak in, you know, in your own words to God this morning. Lord, I want my life to count for something. I want my life to count for something. I want my life to count for something. So the time to look around at all, please. It's a time for sober reflection. I want my life to count for something. Not just a salary, something bigger than a salary. Not just a house, something bigger than a house. Yeah. Not just a position, but something bigger than a position. I want my life to count for something. I want my life to count for something. Give me capacity for vision. Give me capacity for vision. Lastly today, can somebody just pray against distraction? Distraction. Can you pray against distraction around your life right now? Some of us know the distractions we're dealing with right now. Distractions. Things that take you away from a divine positioning that will open you up for vision. That will open you up to be able to download revelation from heaven. Will you pray today and stand against distraction? If you know a particular distraction, mention it by name. And receive grace to deal with that distraction in your life. Receive grace to deal with that stumbling block to capacity for vision and for great ideas from God that will distinguish you in our world today. That you may live your life on a crusade because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Lord, I want to live my life standing for something. I want to live my life standing for something. Thank you, Jesus. Wave your two hands to him all over this place. Everyone online, wave your two hands to him. Father, we thank you you send your word to deliver and to save. Well, thank you for a life that will start to gain clarity of vision from this point on. I command a release of grace on your people today. Everyone joining this service online, everyone present here live, a new dimension of sensitivity to revelation knowledge. A new dimension of clarity of vision. Let our passion burn brighter this season and let it connect with a vision from your heart that will make our lives meaningful in the name of Jesus we stand against every distraction 
We bind every Sambalat and Tobias, every distractor, every detractor, everyone who confuses, everyone who takes advantage of people. We break their hold over everyone under the influence of this service. And we declare in the name of Jesus grace to lay hold on vision and run with it from this present on. Thank you for great leaders that are coming out of this church, coming out of this teaching in the precious name of Jesus. We bless your name, Father. With all this bowed, I'd love to say a last prayer for somebody in this service who may be saying, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. I want to receive Christ into my heart. There may be someone who is saying, I said this prayer before, but I backslid into sin. But now I know that there's a second chance for me with God. Jesus, I want to rededicate my life to you. I've been far away from you. I'd love to pray for you this afternoon. Whether you are online or right here, I want to say a prayer with you if you're saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Or I just want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Can I ask that you lift your right hand up? If you're here, can you just lift your right hand up? Remain seated where you are, but lift your right hand up. I just want to know you are saying this prayer with me today. I want to know you are saying this prayer with me today. You want to say the prayer with me? Just lift your right hand up. God will reach you where you are right now. If you are online, I want you to go to the chat room or the comment segment and just let us know you are making a decision to follow Jesus today. If your hand is up, can you please stand where you are? Remain where you are, but stand. Stand with me and let's say this prayer together. Thank you. Thank you for standing. Just stand. Stand where you are. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. Just stand where you are. Just remain where you are, but stand. Stand and let's say the prayer together. Thank you for standing. Is there any other person? God is touching your heart today. I can see many people standing, but God is touching your heart today. You want to be a part of this prayer. Don't resist God. It's a call of God on your life. For a new beginning. I want you to stand and join the prayer. Stand and join the prayer. Stand and join the prayer. If you are standing, I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I cannot save myself. So I ask that you forgive me my sins. And that you cleanse me from every unrighteousness. I receive you today as my Lord and my personal savior. Give me a new beginning with you and cause your hand to rest upon me. Fill my heart with your spirit from this moment forward. Thank you, Father, for accepting me. In Jesus' name. If you just said a prayer with me, if you look to the other side there, you see a counselor there.